0: Welcome to the Philia Podcasts. We are the daughters of those women who came before us. It is our absolute honour to have met so many incredible women fighting for the liberation of us all. Our role at Philia is to amplify the voices of those women via the Filia Conference and these podcasts. Please take from them what you can. In sisterhood and in solidarity, the Philia team.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Philia podcast. This evening, I'm delighted to be talking to Sam Walsh, who spoke at Philia in Bradford last year. Thank you so much for coming to talk to us this evening. Just to start out, for those who didn't have the privilege of hearing you in Bradford, could you just tell those who are listening a bit about yourself and your background?
0: Well, my background, I was pimped into prostitution. I met a pimp at the age of 14, got into prostitution at 15, um, ended up on heroin and yeah, ended up on the streets for a long time for heroin. And I've been away from that for 14 years now. I've been trying to get my DBS record right to try and get a job.
1: Yes, which is something that's been... (laughs) Recently, hasn't it, with the court case? Have you been involved with that?
0: Yeah, I have. I've been involved with that with Fiona for about two and a half years now. Um, even though I've been trying to do something about it for ye- like eight years, I never knew there was anyone else out there that was fighting it. It was so that it took years for me to even hear about Harriet and Fiona fighting the case because it isn't really shouted about and for some reason, services that are helping women didn't seem to know about it either.
1: And it should be something we're shouting about later. Yeah. It's so important. So just for anybody who's not heard about it, it's a case being brought by women who were um, abused as children into the sex trade, who then found themselves with convictions, um, criminal convictions, as a result of that abuse, and are... uh, tried to get that removed from dbs records and i hear it's been successful is that right
0: well i'm anonymous in the case so there's three women that are named and mm-hmm. then three women that are witnesses as such like backup evidence for what the three named women are saying and the pre-named women, their DBS is now wiped. If they go for a job tomorrow, it will not come up on that. It's gone, which is amazing. Cause like Fiona Broadfoot, she's been fighting this for 20 years. Like I've only been doing it a few years and it's draining emotionally. So for her to do it for 20 years is like, wow. So hers is automatically wiped, but for other women, I think Harriet Wistrich and the Centre for Women's Justice, they're going to do a template so that we can apply. And because it's been found unlawful, they should. It should just be wiped. So where before you could apply to have it wiped, it was usually a blanket. No, they wouldn't do it. Whereas now, because we were in this case, and Fiona's had hers wiped and the other two women, we can use that as backup to get ours wiped. That that's, is, what, that's what I understand so far, because there's a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo as well, to be honest, that yeah. I don't kind of get. But that's the grasp of it at the minute.
1: And that is just such fantastic news. I've been following that case, and I am delighted. Um, and in terms of wiping DBS, one of the things that Philia wants to campaign for is for not just convictions for soliciting, but any convictions accumulated whilst a girl is being exploited like that. And I wondered, do you think that's something that we could
0: try yeah, to... Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> like, I feel a bit... Because I know a lot of... Obviously, I meet a lot of women. I know a lot of women where I live now and work. And I'm, lu- I'm lucky. I've only got a couple on my DBS. My, and it's only prostitution I have on that. But I know people who've got... Credit card fraud, shoplifting, and it isn't. It was the relationship they was in at the time that was. I've done. I was just lucky that I never got caught. I'm a scouser. I was raised in a way that you know how to beat the system. (laughs) That's a bad thing to say. That's my chaotic childhood coming into it. That we was raised very young how to talk to the police, how not to talk to the police, (laughs) which held me in good stead, I suppose, from my DBS. But I know I've done crimes. Well, I wouldn't have done if I wasn't in that situation. And it's not just like, like I said, I started out with a pimp, but then I ended up getting away from him. He's still in the same city I'm in now, so I still see him now and again. But then I got with another guy who I would never say, he never, we had him because we were both on drugs, it was like a mutually beneficial relationship. He was an armed I was doing what I was doing. So if he didn't have money, I would have money. So it wasn't like that. But I've done crimes that I would never have done if I went on drug. if I didn't get into that whole... Like, when I look now, my whole view was so distorted.
1: Mm. Through
0: my experience, you become desensitised to that way of life you see that way of life as normal so in them surroundings and that environment and if you've got someone who you know if you don't do it they're gonna beat you yeah you're gonna go and do what you're gonna do and if it is not fair I know a girl who she's gone to uni she's got a master's you know she's changed her life so much but still now a dbs will be thrown in her face from She's left that. Be- Do you know I mean? She's left that behind, but she's still being judged for it for being a victim. Is, and it's is that, it more... that yeah, girls who are being
1: treated <sighs> in that way who wouldn't have ended up in that lifestyle, doing those other um, other criminal activities. I suppose like if you've got possession of drugs or shoplifting, like you say. So I think that's something that we would be wanting to campaign for um, within what we want to do next. Um, you said that you, you were obviously groomed as a child um, and then you were trafficked around uh, in brothels and, and parlours, I think you've said.
0: Yeah, when I was young, when I was... Fat, cause when you're young, they won't really put you on the street because mm. if you get... A, even though, to be honest, I did get arrested down south when I was 15. But I was living in a hostel, so they just took my fingerprints and sent me on my way. And <laughs> I maybe, was 15. Like,
1: you, you're 15. Why, why can't? Yeah, you know, did they ever offer you
0: help or? No, no, that was. God, well, I'm 45 now, so this is going back 30 years, Charlie. You know mean? But no, I was 15. I was living in kind of a. I'd been a runaway for. eight been running away for a while and I was living in a hostel they just let us they let me go like I wasn't dressed in no way a 15 year old should be dressed I was out at what time in the morning but it's that thing of they see you as that kind of girl that I think it is changing a bit now where they but really they still see it as oh you're that kind of girl they don't really care it's your choice it's them bad girls (laughs) you know
1: So they're not seeing you as an abused child. They're seeing you as someone who's making an active choice.
0: Definitely. Definitely, I would say. Even the police said, oh, you're going to be in, you know, if this is the way we're picking you up now, you're going to be in a lot more trouble as you get older, but didn't offer me no help or ask me any questions of what or why I was doing or why I was even, they just, took me back to the hostel, and that was it, yeah, and I was 15, that doesn't, now, that doesn't, I don't understand how, because I got my fingerprints taken and everything, that does not come up on my criminal record, but I think, maybe because I only got a caution, I don't know, but I did have my fingerprints taken, so there should be some record of it, but, but then it's like, one of my convictions that I have got on my, CBS, and this is what kind of winds me up more than anything. One of the times I was convicted is not something to be proud of, but I was caught in a car, so I couldn't really lie about what I am <laughs> <laughs> laughing, but I laugh when I get a bit nervous. Um, yeah, I was caught in a car and a police van pulled up. <laughs> and I got took into the van. Do you know what I mean? I got took into the van, I got took to the police station, I got took to court the next day and got a conviction. The guy drove off from there. He drove off from there, he didn't get taken in the van with me, he didn't get arrested with, do you know what I mean? Like, so you're telling me in that situation, I'm the criminal. Mm. But then if it's illegal for that man to be doing that, why didn't you arrest him as well? Why did you let him go, but you take me?
1: That seems really bad double standard. So men would be just allowed to go on their way and then it was you that was being taken action.
0: That was actually, one of my convictions is that, that exact scenario happened. And I even said it in court, but the judge just, they're not interested, are they? He wasn't interested in that. But yeah, that was one of my, and that's why I've got a, not a vendetta but kind of what gives me that fight as well because I think hang gone. if what he was doing was illegal which it supposedly is to be curb crawler and what I'm doing was illegal so why are we not both why was I the one arrested and criminalized why hasn't he got a criminal record as well and why hasn't he got to sit down when he goes for a job and say what he why he done what he done
1: and do you but, think that that's something yeah. that would help if the men who were you know who were making the choice to by to yeah, yeah. I'm
0: not like I have to I I don't call it arguments I call it debates I have with people <laughs> who claim that is their choice and it doesn't ah oh, I this is my choice this is you know we're in charge. no we're not you're not if you're a female and you're doing that you're not doing it through no because you want to I think the statistics. Surely the statistics of people doing it because they want to is so low. It's not. It's for financial reasons. It's for being coerced. It's for being a woman in this. The way society is set up, that you think that's a choice. Like, but the men, if it's such a choice, like this pro lobby, like to go on and say, oh, it's work. If it's such great work and it's such a choice where are all these men that go why ain't these shouting about how great a job it is for women that who are paying for it why ain't they standing up and saying yeah we pay for it we're proud we're proud to support these business women but none of them stand up and say it because they're embarrassed because they know what they're doing they're preying on vulnerable women and girls sorry i went into a bit of a rant then no rant
1: away i mean you can't (laughs) argue with that really um if you've got you know, your, your experiences of men preying on vulnerable girls, and I think that's really powerful to hear that because we hear quite a lot about, you know, it's, it's a choice and it's a job, but we don't as often get to hear women who've been through those experiences saying that's not what it felt like. No,
0: because pe- that's what people want to hear. People want to believe that pretty woman, sanitised, glamorous version. What well, mm-hmm. they... You yeah, know, they don't want to hear the reality of it, because then it has, you you have to look at why the society as a whole, and we all know the reality of it if we're being truly honest. Because if we're being truly honest, any man or woman who's got a daughter, if you said, would you be happy and would you be supportive to support your daughter to do that as a career? I don't know anyone, whether you've got experience of it or not, that would be like, yeah, cool, yeah, yes. I'm very happy my daughter's that's what my daughter is no they're lying and they can stand in my face and I'll tell them they're lying.
1: One of the things that I also hear people say is oh well it's not safe for women to be working on the streets, so it would be safer it would be better if um if we licensed brothels um what what do you think about that?
0: Yeah but it's like, come on like 30 years ago, maybe 28 years ago, when I was, in, I, like, I was in London, in the flats, and there's places in Bristol that are just so blatant, they, oh, they're just there, they get robbed all the time, these girls are getting robbed, you don't know, you don't know who that person is who you're there. yeah, alright, you know, most of the time through the week it'll be alright. The only thing that's getting damaged is your soul and your brain and your mental health, even though you might not realise it at the time. But there does come times when you don't know whether it's, I don't care whether it's a hotel room, whether it's a flat or whether it's out there on the street where that danger is there. And what are you going to do then? Look at Leeds. They started that off saying it was a safe zone. Mm -hmm. Then they realised, oh, oh, people are still being attacked and they were... We Best not call it a safe zone because it's not actually safe. We'll call it a managed zone now. What's a managed zone? Like, if you go up there and have a look, you go up there and drive around. What that is is just a market of misery. People are dealing in women's misery, like, but you want to replicate that around the country, really? Are you, okay, okay, replicate it. And then the people who are singing and shouting, let their daughters go down there and work there. Let's see if they still want to replicate it. Sorry. Don't, don't be sorry. Please don't be sorry. I understand yes. that girls have got to be safe. I understand that. But, you know, a lot of girls that are not... A lot of girls that I know now, they're out there for drugs and that. They're not... So safety... is a total... <laughs> your safety doesn't come into it when I was, you know, like I said I was on a heroin for 15 years longer than that I've been on, but I've been off it 14 and when you're out you're not thinking about nothing. you're not worried about whether it's safe or not, I got in a guy's car and I knew, in my stomach I knew, my intuition told me do not get in this van I knew it, I did, I can honestly say I knew it, but because I needed drugs, I couldn't listen to that. I shoved it away and didn't listen to it. And, yep, that was the guy who attacked me. But I knew it, getting in that corner, that's what I'm saying. The need for the drugs was so much that my own didn't come into it. And nothing came into it. So saying, all oh, it will make—it doesn't make them say What it does is gives you a target area where you know they're going to be, you know where they're going to know. You can't keep them safe. There's people there's men out there who enjoy the power, enjoy the control, and enjoy having that control over someone. They know them women are not enjoying what they're doing. I was never an active participant. I wasn't one of them people who make noises and make you feel good about yourself, mate. Nah, I'm sad. Like, hurry up. <laughs> to be crude but that's the reality and that's what now I think as a woman I think I couldn't have sex with someone knowing they wasn't fully a part of that and wanting that but I, men seem to be able to do that, I don't they seem cool with that, it doesn't yeah. matter if the girl's six stone got a heroin habit
1: you didn't find that anybody said, "Oh, you're, you're obviously not enjoying yourself."
0: Maybe- <laughs> Come on, that doesn't only happen in many relationships, let alone. <laughs> I can honestly say no one actually said, "Are you okay? Is this what you want to do?" No, no. Your commodity is is you're not for me I wasn't that I was so disassociated because I'd learned that from a young age that I was so disassociated I wasn't there. I was thinking about the money or I was thinking about the drug I wasn't so I'm not gonna act like I, I never ever can honestly say so I don't know to be honest how I ever made no money because I wouldn't have because <laughs> I just never would pretend I was enjoying it. It was a means to an end.
1: So the men who say that, you know, they, they would never, ever pay for sex with an unwilling woman are probably lying?
0: Oh, my gosh. They know they're lying. They know they're lying. Like, I can... I don't know. I can't... Obviously, I can't talk for every woman. I can't. But I can... on Obviously... All I can honestly say is any time, wherever I did it, however much I was being paid, whether it was the top end of the scale or the bottom end of the scale, I never enjoyed it and I never acted like I enjoyed it. And to be honest, the men didn't really care what they were just doing, what they were doing. It was was a transaction. It was cold, cold and... And they might want to kid themselves because it makes them feel better about themselves. It makes them feel better about themselves when they go back to their wife and kids that are always not a vulnerable woman. This woman enjoys it. It's a choice. No, you say that because it makes you feel better about yourself. That's why they pretend that. It ain't about the woman. If it was about the woman, wouldn't you say, oh, i tell you what, would you like to orgasm first? Never. I don't know anyone. (laughs) I don't know. No, I just don't know. It's a commodity, and I think. And I know I've had them regular customers who they think they've got a relationship with you, but they haven't, and you know really they haven't. They know you haven't. It's a agreement. Mm. It's an agreement for how long that lasts. And at times I fought for in them agreements. I had. Oh, I'm in control of this. No, I wasn't. Because even though I had something he wanted, he had something I needed more, where he could go wherever and get what he wanted. Do you know what I mean? So it's like they've got that power over you, like, oh, well, yeah, no, they're not worried about none of that, about your (laughs) well-being.
1: And you you were able to get away from your pimp when you were still a child yourself, you were still 17. Yeah. Um, much later to exit the sex trade itself. How did you find that How were you able to exit?
0: For me, like I say, I was never that... I always knew I didn't want to do it. Mm. I knew I I didn't enjoy... Like, like I've got a funny relationship with sex. Because of my... Yeah. I just felt, to me, it was just something that was a means to an end. It wasn't something private or that could be nice (laughs) or joy. It was just what it was, really. So that made it easier. And I think that's all I thought I could do. I'd done it for so long and kind of, as sad as it sounds, (laughs) that's how people, I got, it felt like that's how people like me. Do you know what I mean? Like people who like me because I did that. So then, as crazy as that, yeah, sounds a bit crazy.
1: And when you did manage to exit, did you get any help to do that or did you just have to, were you on your own?
0: No, I just, I think what it, what it was more because I had my child. He was getting older and, like I said, I had a heroin habit and I was just, i would had enough, I think, because I've been in it from so young. I I knew it was, I was going to lose my kid. I was going to lose my life. I was, like, four and a half stone and thought I looked okay. (laughs) Like, you know? And so I think it was more about I wanted to stop the drugs. And then, because I stopped the drugs, there was no need to do it. And I knew I... Like, there was times when I'd go out and I didn't have heroin. But the thought of doing that, and sometimes I went home, <laughs> I'd go back home and I'd say, oh, the police was out all night. Like, it's crazy, the police was out. And they wasn't, it was just, I didn't want to do it. Yeah. I didn't, the thought of just doing it, even though I knew I'd be ill, but then I knew I wouldn't because the bloke, right, I knew he'd go and get it. <laughs> so." It was that where I just knew, I didn't want to do it. I was fed up with it. I felt shit about myself. Sorry to sweat, But I just felt crap. I felt crap. I felt crap when I did drugs. I felt crap when I didn't do drugs. I just felt crap. Now, look, I think, even though I'd done it for quite a bit of my son's early life, I think if I wouldn't have had my son, I might not have done it for myself. I don't think I felt enough of myself to do it for me, you know. I think I felt enough of my son to do it, and then doing it kind of made me start to like myself a bit. (laughs) But, yeah. But, no, I I went to the doctor and got help, but I didn't really go anywhere else. There was a couple of support workers I knew, like, there's a charity in Bristol, one, two, five there was a support worker called Karen, and bless her, she used to come and take me out for a coffee and talk to me. And But it's difficult. When you're coming out of that, there's so much judgment and stigma. Like I didn't feel like I could go to the usual drug groups. or you know, People say, oh, take your kid to this stay and play. I can't go there to stay and play, and I'm fat there. My head is messed up, you know, with the thoughts and trauma that I've got and Which I still, you know, I can still have triggers, and it's not easy. There's not enough, and I think what it is, there's not enough people that have been there that you can talk to. It's like when I met, it's like when I met Harriet and Fiona. Harriet was the first person ever, and I've been. Clean, 11 years then. So I'd been off her own for 11 years. I've been through drug services and done different stuff and volunteered and all that. But um, Harriet was the first person who actually asked me how I got into it. No Mm -hmm. one has ever asked me. And it was when she asked me that I thought, thought, oh my God. Yeah, no one has ever asked me. And then it was when she, she put it to me, they were you know, that's trafficking and you know that that's grooming. And cause I always thought, like, if people said to me, oh, how did you end up in Bristol? I'd say, oh, oh I, was, I ran away when I was 15. And that's how... But no, I got in, I was a runaway. Then I got in with the wrong crowd who I didn't know was kind of into that kind of thing. And the pimp was attached to them, do you know what I mean? So I used to think it was a choice. Mm. <laughs> like, I used to act like it was a choice. Yeah.
1: And do you ever feel angry, I suppose, with the authorities who saw you as, an, yeah, there you were, you were a child being exploited, being abused, and they were picking you up and letting the men abusing you go free? I mean, I'm, I'm angry on your behalf that that happened to you.
0: That's why I started to fight this case because I'd gone for so many job interviews, got through them, and then they'd see my DBA and it just kept cut. And I thought, you know what? These, that man, not just that man, but all of the men, but especially in—it's <laughs> just that one arrest, I think, because I was caught in that position. Do you know what I mean? Where I couldn't, neither of us could deny it. It was what it was. Let's be honest, <laughs> Charlie, we, There was no getting away with it. But he did, I didn't. Why? Yeah. So it's not even about. I think it's that. It's just that. That hang on a minute. But and that's what keeps me going. It is. Why am I the one who's criminalised? But he's not. And it makes me so angry and mad. But then it's a good thing because that anger just since meeting Harriet and Fiona and like going to Philly last year and all, now I've got somewhere to channel that anger in a positive way. Whereas before it was kind of overwhelming, I'd get quite depressed about it, where now I feel like it's a positive anger and I can, I feel like I'm trying to do something about it, which is good.
1: Yeah, with Fiona and Harriet, you've changed the law for other people, which is amazing. And so uh. if you, you've already you know, contributed to bringing about a massive legal change. If you had the prime minister in front of you, any prime minister, and you could get them to introduce any law that would help people who are going through what you went through, what, what would you do?
0: I, I wouldn't criminalise. I don't know. I wouldn't criminalise the women. I feel any woman that you arrest is out there is not out there because she enjoys sex. That's mm-hmm. the bottom line. They're, they're not out there because they want a quick fumble. Do you know what I mean? They're out there because needs must. So surely you should look at it more as a exploitation It is. It's financial exploitation, economic economic exploitation. It's look. And it's just. Because you're a female. and that is, I'm not saying males don't get arrested for it. We all know men get arrested, blah, blah, blah. What about men? But... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but no, I just think, don't look at that, you know? When they see these women, that's what annoys me. And I go around doing talks everywhere, and I say, you know, when you meet these women in services or at probation, you just see this woman stood in front of you of this angry street worker, as you like to call them, because they're street workers. And you see this angry kind of inner mess woman who's made this choice. Don't you just look and think, what led her to that? What led any woman to that? Instead of seeing what she's presenting as, look behind that and think, everyone got a story. Mm-hmm. No one wakes up in the morning when they're a teenager and think, oh, I know what I want to be when I'm old I want to be a drug addicted prostitute, that's what I want to be, what, where do I go, which careers officer do I see for that please? Yeah.
1: Thank you, such a powerful interview and some really
0: I I started rabbiting and ranting a bit there, uh, so you might have to cut a load of rubbish out. What no, I wish,
1: I wish we could have an entire podcast if you just ranting, it, it, would be, it would be absolutely epic. <laughs> Um,
0: oh I rant a lot now seriously
1: (laughs) and it is world changing ranting so thank you so so much for the interview it's
0: been a pleasure
1: thank you thank you